0: You are listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Good morning. So good to see you on this beautiful, sunny, late November Sunday morning. Uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet before, my name is Sam. I serve as one of the leaders here at the church, and uh, as I said, so good to be with you. A couple of things before we get into scripture this morning. Um, one, I just wanted to make a note that... Um, Last weekend was just so incredibly special for for me, for us, and I wanted to thank those of you. For one who were here, it was so cool to celebrate with the church family. Um, just the transition from Pastor Mark, but also just wanted to thank so many of you have sent messages and texts and written notes, and uh, we just feel so loved and encouraged as we kind of step into this new role. So I just wanted to say thank you for that. It's so beautiful. Um, and then speaking of this all transition, next weekend is a really significant weekend in the life of our church where we're going to celebrate Pastor Mark and Diane for their 21 years of faithful ministry. And so I just wanted to say, that is not a weekend to skip. Skip any other weekend in December. (laughs) Not that one, okay? We're uh, going to take time to really honor them. It's going to be really special. There'll be fun moments as we look back to the the archives and uh, just kind of share the story of what God has done in and through their lives over the last 21 years. So that'll be really special next Sunday at 9.30 and 11.30. Okay, if you have a Bible, would you turn with me to uh, the book of Luke, chapter 2. Luke, chapter 2. And this morning, we're kicking off our Advent series, where uh, we've titled it, Angels We Have Heard. And through this series, we're we're walking through the various sections of the Christmas story, specifically looking at different encounters that individuals have with, with angels. Encounters with these messengers sent by God to announce the arrival of the king to announce the long-awaited Messiah has come. And that's really what Advent is all about, what this season is all about. The word Advent means arrival. Some of you maybe thought it meant chocolate, chocolate calendars. (laughs) It means arrival. And it's this time that we set aside each year in the church calendar uh, to prepare our hearts to receive the gift of the incarnation, the gift of Emmanuel, God with us. It's this time where we wonder as the humility of God, who, who would put on flesh and become human just like us. We look back towards his birth, and we also look forward with great anticipation towards his future return. And so first on the docket, as I said, is Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. So would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? At CA Church, across all our services, we stand as we read scripture, really because we're honoring that these are the most important words that you're going to hear today, more important than anything else I'm going to say. Over this next little bit together. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Here's what it says And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. It's the word of the Lord. You can take a seat, and we'll unpack these words together. Okay, I, I want to take a moment and sort of set the stage, give some context to exactly what's taking place in this uh, in this scene in this setting, especially who these night shift workers are who are camped out in a field outside of Bethlehem, watching over a flock of sheep. See, I find we've sort of romanticized the Christmas story with our with our Christmas carols and our cute little nativity scenes. Uh, this last fall, I had the opportunity to go just a few weeks ago to Israel with Pastor Mark and, and, and a few others. And I got my first nativity scene. It's this beautiful, handmade, olive wood kind of set with three wise men and Mary, Joseph, Jesus, the shepherds. And it's quaint. It's cute. It's perfect. And I think sometimes when we think about this story of Jesus coming, the incarnation, we almost think about these, these cute little nativity scenes or this, this hallmark version of the story in our minds. A neat and tidy little stable. Jesus kind of quietly lying on a bed of hay A choir of angels, hundreds of angels surrounding it, singing in four-part or maybe six-part, ten-part harmony. Uh, Mary, with this glow around her head, smiling over at Joseph as some really well-groomed shepherds make their way into the stable. Does that resemble anyone's kind of thoughts around the Christmas story? You know, one thing that struck me when I was in Israel over this last year is, is the humanity, the kind of earthiness of these stories in Scripture. You know, when we're so far removed from the land and the culture, it's so easy to, to kind of read these narratives, to almost read them as fairy tales. It's easy to almost forget that these were real people in these stories, were humans just like us. They were people that had their own fears and doubts and stresses and challenges. And when I stood in some of those spots in Israel and saw even street signs for Bethlehem, which was so strange to see these cities and places that I've, I've read about and learned about for so long, it was sort of this 3D experience. And it added so much meaning to the stories that I heard. See, see Bethlehem is not like Hogwarts or Narnia. It's a real place. With real people. So, so looking back at, at Luke chapter 2, the, these, these men who are out in the field, history tells us actually that first century shepherds were almost among the most despised people in all of society. These weren't clean-cut, heart-playing homeschooled teenagers. These were gruff, socially rejected outcasts. And at one time in history, the, the 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 role of shepherd, the occupation of shepherd, was this honorable role. It held this sort of prestige among the family of God. Shepherding was a good family business. And David, who was the greatest king of all of Israel's history, David was a shepherd. Even Psalm 23, God is is referred to as shepherd. But by the time you get to the first century, the role of shepherding in society had kind of dropped lower and lower on the totem pole. The job paid poorly. Good people didn't want to be around shepherds because they, they were kind of dirty and considered unsafe because of the kind of people who became shepherds. The type of people who became shepherds were were the type of people who couldn't get a job doing anything else, maybe because of their history, or their background, or because of a crime that they committed, and yet, these were the first people to hear the good news of the Christmas story. And why is that important? Well, consistently, all throughout Scripture, we see that God reveals himself and often chooses the unimpressive, the cast-outs of society, the ones who, who other people have written off. And that's what we see happening here right from the start of the Christmas story. The first people who were told about the Messiah, the arrival of the Messiah was the shepherds. See, the coming of Jesus was for everyone. He was for all people, the rich and the poor, the healthy and the sick, the popular and the unpopular. But in this moment, in revealing himself to first century shepherds, God seems to be going out of his way to underline the fact that his gift is especially for those who believe that they wouldn't be invited. I was recently invited to a really small wedding in Hawaii, like this super small destination wedding in Hawaii from an old friend And uh, I was really close to this friend many years ago, but I haven't seen him in the last five years or so. And so when I saw on Facebook that he was getting married uh, to his fiance, I was really excited about it. And I saw that they were doing this destination wedding. I just thought to myself, oh, there's no chance that I would be invited to this. And I wasn't upset about it or anything. It was just a fact. We were close friends a while back, uh, but years have gone by. We've barely talked. I'm excited for them, but I won't be there. And then I got the invitation. (laughs) I was like, whoa! Out of everyone you would invite to your 25-person destination wedding, you want us to be there, and I feel like that maybe would have been what the shepherds felt like. Picture it with me—they're out in the middle of this dark field. It's a night just like any other night. Imagine there's crickets croaking, or what is it that crickets do? That sound? <laughs> crickets are chirping. The, this, the stars are, are shining bright. Maybe there's mosquitoes that are biting the shepherds, and they're slapping their arms. And, these shepherds are trying their hardest to stay awake and watch for bears and wolves and other wild animals. And as they wait for the sun to peek up around the mountains to provide a bit of light, maybe there's still two or three or four hours left before the sun starts to rise. And they're watching over their sheep. And they're trying to be proactive and spotting any danger. Truthfully, it's the same thing they did last night and the night before that and the night before that. Just a regular, monotonous night in the life of a shepherd. And then suddenly the text tells us this angel appears to them. And I wonder if they even were maybe looking behind them like, is that angel talking to us? Or is there someone else behind me? Like, why would they talk to us? We're shepherds. Why are they here? Like, no one intentionally talks to us. But he was talking to them. And what does he say? He says, don't be afraid. Or some translations say, fear not. Fear not. Here's something that's kind of interesting. At every major turning point in the Christmas story, there's an angel that shows up. Four times. There's this angel that suddenly appears and he speaks to Zachariah, to Mary, to Joseph, and then right here to the shepherds. Four times, the angel steps up and speaks and each time, the angel begins with the same words. Don't be afraid. Why? Why? Well, one, one reason might be that the encounter with an angelic messenger would trigger uh, any kind of person, any person, even the bravest, to tremble and be feared. Remember, these aren't kind of chubby little cute Cupid angels. Most scholars believe that, that angels, this angel that appeared in the Christmas story, is actually Michael the archangel, who's described as this strong, courageous warrior angel, a champion of justice. And so, maybe one of the reasons he starts each of these encounters with fear not is because he he looks pretty scary. Maybe that's part of it. But more importantly, he says those words in all four encounters because do not be afraid is a major exhortation of the Christmas story. God is doing something in the birth of Jesus that addresses our fears. God is doing something in the birth of Jesus that addresses our fears. And this phrase, fear not or, or don't be afraid, it's not only found in the Christmas story, it's actually repeated 365 times throughout Scripture. All throughout Scripture, because fear is, is part and parcel with the human experience. And we all experience fear in some form or fashion. All of our fears are different, maybe have different degrees of fear from person to person, but this wrestle with fear or anxiety or stress is part of being human, it's part of being alive. I was thinking about that command from the angels, to fear not, or not be afraid. And like, I love that idea, but how do you do that? (laughs) Like, don't be afraid, okay. (laughs) That's never been my experience with dealing with fear. Uh, There's this term that, that psychologists use called experiential avoidance. And the general idea of experiential avoidance is this. As humans, we tend to try really hard to avoid our inner experience especially when it's like unpleasant thoughts or emotions, memories, desires, fears. We try to suppress those things and push them away, push them down. We try to deny our our experience, our lived experience in hopes to feel better or that the problem would go away. The problem with that strategy is that it rarely, if ever, works. And it's for a very distinct reason. Researchers have found this. For example, if, if you get a group of people together and you tell them not to think about a yellow Jeep, Just don't think about it. Don't think about a yellow Jeep. The amount of people in the group who begin to dwell on a yellow Jeep increases like exponentially. Even when they're trying so hard not to think about it. Even after the exercise is over and they've been done, told don't think about it. Later they they likely go home and they begin to think about this yellow Jeep. It's almost like a beach ball that keeps popping up out of the water. You just can't keep it down. And you might think, "Well, well that's just because they've been reminded about a yellow Jeep. But that's actually not the reason when subjects in the experiment were just reminded about a yellow Jeep, when someone described a yellow Jeep, even the specifics of it and what it looked like, the image of the yellow Jeep had a far less lasting effect on their minds. It was just kind of this fleeting thought as it was being talked about, and then they forgot about the yellow Jeep. The thought increased, but, but, but for those who, who, who were told to stop thinking about it, it kept popping up over and over again like this beach ball. The reason is that in order for that, form to, that, that thought to form, don't think about a yellow Jeep. You have to keep thinking about that yellow Jeep that you're trying not to think about. And so the very intent of suppressing it carries that thought with you into the future. And that's not only true of a yellow Jeep, it's also true of any other fear. As you think, don't think about X. Or don't think about X. Or don't be afraid of X. or X continues to be in your mind. In other words, you can't not be afraid by trying really hard not to be afraid. Part of processing or dealing with our fear is actually acknowledging it, acknowledging what you're feeling. And then sometimes even with the help of a a professional, of a therapist, over time replacing that fear with what's true. Okay, why does the angel indicate the shepherds cannot be afraid? Because of what they know is true because of the incredibly good news that is about to follow those words, good news that will change everything in their lives, good news that will put even their darkest of fears into this much bigger perspective. The angel says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. See, the way we deal with our fears isn't by trying really hard not to be afraid. As we said before, experiential avoidance doesn't work. The way we deal with our fears is actually by acknowledging them, actually allowing ourselves to feel, and then reframing our fears based on what's true, by meditating on what's actually real and right and good. The reason the shepherds can, can trade their fear for peace. The reason they cannot be afraid is because the good news that the angel speaks of, it has great implications on their lives and puts all of their fears into perspective. The Messiah has been born the one who's gonna make all things right, the fixer they've been waiting on, the one who's gonna put the world back together again, the way it was intended to be, their rescuer is here. And the good news that was announced by these angels was for all people, yes, but it was also for them personally. You know, Pastor David often talks about that God God is not a God of generalities, he's a God of specifics. That he doesn't just love the whole world, the cosmos as a whole, but that he actually loves you. That's what's being communicated here. The savior has been born for you. Do you notice how many times you kind of shows up in this quote from the angels? I bring you shepherds, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David a savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you when you go and see him. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Um, earlier this year, um, the, the government of BC announced that they were rolling out this, uh, this $10 a day daycare plan. This, in other words, very affordable daycare for working families. And they talked about how much it was going to impact these working families as the cost of living in our province has increased and increased. And I'm sure there's people in this room who have varied opinions on this $10 a day daycare. And uh, this is not a political statement, okay? Just bear with me. But, but when I read about this, this initiative early on, I kind of read it, and, and it, was, it was just kind of like a headline in the news. And I thought, oh, interesting. Like, I wonder what that's going to mean for our taxes. I wonder what that's, if it's going to be as good as what they say it's going to be like. I wonder what it's going to be like. I didn't really have any strong feelings about this $10 day daycare plan that they were about to roll out until our daycare sent us an email with how much we'd be saving once they roll out this $10 day daycare plan. And I was like, whoa, Amazing. I started telling everybody about it. There there was this radically different response that I felt when I realized that this child subsidy wasn't just for families in B.C., it was for me. (laughs) I was included in that category. And and that's exactly what's happening here. But to this much grander degree, the angels are saying, you don't have to fear because God is with you. Because the Messiah has come not only for the social elites, not just for those who are religious enough, for those who, who feel like they have it all together. The good news to the shepherds wasn't only that God loved and was restoring the entire cosmos, although he was, but he was coming for them, that he had come for them. Today in a town of David, the Savior has been born to you. You're included in this offer of Peace. You don't have to fear because Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, has sent a rescuer. He sent this fixer, the Messiah, who's come to, to make everything that's wrong with the world right. You don't have to fear anymore. You're not alone. You were never alone. And that's also true for us. At Christmas, the long awaited one, the Prince of Peace, as the prophet Isaiah calls him, has come. And he sees us, he's come to address our fears. He's come to address our fears of the unknown, the fears of what tomorrow will bring, for some, a fear of death, a fear of not measuring up, not being enough, a fear of rejection, a fear of failure. See, the incarnation of Jesus is this announcement that even the worst thing that happens to you, it's not the last thing. Because of Jesus, for the Christian, the last thing that we have to look forward to is a light, and love and life. It's like the angel is saying, Shepherd, you had written yourself out of the story of God. You thought you weren't important, that God had forgotten you, but He hasn't. He's come as a baby, He's come as this rescuer to rescue you from this horrible mess that you're in, and He's inviting you to participate. And how do they respond? After they experience this profound moment, after they experience the choir of angels singing, they're singing glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. Once the Christmas Eve special is over, what do they do? They go. They went to Jesus. Look at, look at verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. See, the song finishes and, and the sky blacks out, and the shepherds go probably shaking and trembling from this experience they just had, and they're looking for this baby in the manger. Remember, it's still dark out. It's the middle of the night. There's no street lights. They maybe have a torch that they're kind of going with, and the text says that they hurried towards the manger. You know, I imagine they're probably stumbling on on, on rocks and, and little pivots in the field, but determined to go and see this baby that's born who will change the entire world. And there's such a stark contrast between the way the shepherds respond here in this story. They get up immediately and they hurry to the manger. Contrast that with the response we see from the the religious leaders in Jerusalem in Matthew chapter two, who the magi come and tell them that the king has been born. And they know exactly where the king is supposed to be born based on the prophecies of old. They tell the magi, here's where you should go to look for this king. But they don't bother going and checking it out themselves. Why is there such a different response from these religious leaders who know the stories, know about the prophecies of this Messiah who would come, and, and these shepherds, because the shepherds recognized their need for a savior. If this was true, it was going to change everything for them. If God really had sent the Messiah, the redeemer, the one who, who would restore this broken world and, and do away with their fears, then it was worth checking every stable in Bethlehem to find him. The shepherds go while the religious leaders kind of wait behind. In Mark chapter two, verse 17, Jesus says it like this, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but to those who know they are sinners. See, the shepherds knew that that they didn't have it all together. They knew that they were in a mess. They had nothing to lose in that moment. The world was broken and it needed someone to come in and fix it. And then this angel showed up and made this announcement that they could fear not. Their fear could be done away with. Their lives had purpose because Jesus had come. So so the shepherds go to Jesus. And we don't know how long it took them to, to find him on their journey. It could have been a couple hours or more, checking these various stables, going in, looking in the manger. Nope, not this one. On to the next one. But eventually they do find him. They find Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And then verse 17 says this when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. I love that. They share the news. They can't keep it quiet. Everything was, was, was everything that the angel had just said was coming to pass. They found the baby in the manger. They found God's promised Messiah. The shepherds became the first ever New Testament evangelists. They were the first people to spread the good news that Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah, had arrived. When I experience a product that Works really well that I love. I really enjoy. I go to a restaurant that's just like off the chain, or I have a great experience with customer service from a company. I can't keep myself from talking about it. I tell everyone I know about this product. Or uh, there, there was a guy here in the early service who is a jeweler, and he was saying to me, "That's very true of you because when you bought a ring for me for for Jorily, You sent me 25 other customers because if I have a great experience, I just want to talk about it and talk about it, and I'm so excited. I want someone else to experience that same thing that I experienced, and the shepherds experienced this good news of the gospel that the king had come. They saw it with their own eyes, and then they just start telling everyone about it. Yeah, I talk to so many people who are nervous to share their faith because they, they feel like they don't know enough. Maybe they don't know enough theology worried that maybe they're going to mess it up or say the wrong thing. Can I just say that if theological depth was a prerequisite for evangelism, then first century shepherds were the absolute wrong choice for God. They didn't know anything about it. It's likely that they didn't even know the prophecies of old that led to this moment. All they knew was what they saw. They saw him, they experienced him, and that was good enough to tell everyone they knew about it. They experienced him and they shared it with anyone who would listen. I wonder who Jesus might be asking us to share our experience with, to share our story with this Christmas. And you don't need to do this big exegetical work on a passage of scripture. You don't need to know all the answers. Just tell your story and see if Jesus doesn't break in and do something in that moment. You know, last, last week at the 9.30 service, we had a number of baptisms, so special. I don't know if any of you were here for that. We're gonna put them online afterwards. Uh, but just so powerful to hear the stories of life transformation that people had experienced. I don't think there was a dry eye in the room Well, I was in the front row, and my eyes were wet. I don't know about anyone else. But it's so powerful to hear these stories of, of Jesus transforming lives. We need to share our stories and tell people about what Jesus has done. Okay, so the shepherds go. The shepherds share what they've experienced with others and then they worship. The shepherds return glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which is just as they had been told, verse 20 says. I can just imagine them returning to the field later that morning. Maybe they're just like laughing their heads off, like, dude, what just happened? I don't know, man, but that was crazy. Maybe they start bursting out in spontaneous singing together. They're just worshiping and singing these songs that they knew as children, worship songs all throughout the day, lifting their voices. Maybe when they make eye contact across the field as they're caring for the sheep with the other shepherds who were there, they just laugh. They're just so full of joy. Like, And then maybe they ask throughout the day, like, I'm not crazy, right? You saw that too, right? The angel and then Jesus. Maybe they're even sharing stories like, when we were there at the nativity, Jesus' cheeks were just so cute. I really wanted to ask Mary if I could hold him, but I was just like, and it's like, dude, the Messiah? You can't hold him. Like, I'm just imagining this scene in my head is they're just so filled with joy and they're so filled with worship. You know, worship seems to be the natural response when you encounter Jesus. Worship. There's been moments where I'm just so filled with love and gratitude for all that God has done. I can't help but sing. Uh, There's there's even been moments over this last number of weeks where where, uh, we've been worshiping together and I've just been so moved with emotion as I just sense God's presence here with us as a church as we lift our voices and and there's been moments where I just feel like I can't even sing loud enough to show him my gratitude. Like I can't even reach my hands high enough. It sounds so silly, but this is what I feel. I'm like, I just can't express it. My, my heart is just so filled with worship. God, you are so good. God, you are here. When the shepherds experience the manger, they're moved to worship. And they return home in that moment. They return home the same, but also at the same time, so different. In some regards, nothing has changed for them. They're still gonna go back and tend their flock of sheep. They're still on the night shift. They still have the same circumstances, but they're still first century shepherds living in a world that despises them. Everything was the same, and yet, at the same time, nothing was the same. Everything was different. Their lives had this new purpose. Their ordinary lives, tending the flock, it didn't feel so ordinary anymore. Fears. vanished. Their hope renewed because of this little baby born in a feeding trough in backcountry Bethlehem. So as we move towards the close this morning of our time together, let me just ask you this. What do we do with this story? (laughs) What do we do with this encounter that the shepherds have with with the angels, that they have with Jesus? Well, I wonder if, just as the angelic messenger said to the shepherds, I wonder if Jesus would want to say to us today, Don't be afraid. I've come to give you peace. Have you ever seen the the Charlie Brown Christmas special, Christmas story? Uh, There's this this amazing scene where Linus, he's telling his part of the Christmas story, and he's he's brought out his blanket that he's carried with him a lot throughout the movie and he's holding his security blanket and he's, he's telling this story that we just read. That There were shepherds in the field at night and suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory had shone around them and they were so afraid. And the angel of the Lord to them said, fear not. And at that moment, as Linus says those words, as he says, fear not, he drops the blanket. Have you noticed that? Go back and watch it. You'll see that. He drops the blanket. Because when you listen to the Christmas story, the coming of Jesus, God with us, you realize that you don't need to be afraid. You can let go of all those things that you've tried to find momentary comfort in, security in. You can drop it because Jesus has come. Because in light of Emmanuel, in light of God with us, the things that seem so scary, the so stressful, so big don't seem so big and grand anymore. And it doesn't mean that those fears don't exist. It doesn't mean that instantly our problems vanish. But because of Emmanuel, because Jesus comes, we can have peace even through the darkest of situations. If you're comfortable, would you you just close your eyes for a moment as we respond together? I don't know what's going on in your life right now, I don't know what might be causing you fear or anxiety or stress. Maybe you're facing some very difficult circumstances right now, health-wise, whether physically or, or mentally, financially, relationally, maybe internally there's battles going on. God is able to meet you in that moment. Nothing is impossible for the God who comes out at Christmas. And as he did through the angels, I want you to hear this message from God this morning. I want you to hear him say, I see you. I see you. I came to earth. I was born in a manger for for you. Maybe take a moment, just in the quietness of this moment, and and name your fears. Not avoiding it or pretending it's not there. Actually allowing it to surface. What are you afraid of? Or maybe those words feel a little bit too strong, but, but maybe I would say it like this. What are you anxious about? or stressed, or uneasy. Maybe it's fear of failure. That's a big one for me, fear of failure. It's fear of being alone. It's fear of of your financial situation that's ahead. Maybe there's a stressful assignment at work that's just causing you so much anxiety right now. Maybe your fear's related to your children, their health, their well-being, maybe their soul, or your future deciding on education pathways, finding an affordable place to rent. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it hasn't turned out the way you thought it was gonna turn out. Take a moment right now and just name your fear. Quietly in this moment. Ask God to reveal what's in your heart. Maybe it's even beneath the layers. Maybe you haven't taken the time to acknowledge it. Just take a moment before him. And then following the example of the shepherds, in your mind, uh, in your imagination, I just want you to imagine going to Jesus, kneeling at the foot of the manger and just laying your fears before him, just dropping them like Linus does as he drops his blanket. And I want you to hear Jesus say, I'm with you. You don't need to be afraid. I see you. I see what you're walking through. You're not alone. Just embrace his peace in this moment. You can open your eyes. You know, as you leave this place today in just a few moments and you go into your world, whatever might come, you know, in one sense you'll likely return to exactly the situation that you just came from. But in another sense, my prayer for you today is that you would have this renewed perspective that because Jesus came, because he's with you, that you can have hope that's so far beyond, so much greater than the situation at hand. Right now, John and, uh, and the team is gonna lead us in singing a beautiful Christmas carol. Angels we have heard on high, so fitting for this moment as we've just talked about the angels. And, and one of the challenges with singing Christmas carols is that sometimes we just go into nostalgia mode and we almost go into autopilot. We know the words, we know the melody, so we just sing them out. But I want you to focus on the words we're about to sing, specifically the lyrics in the chorus that say, Gloria in excelsis Deo. And those words mean mean glory to God in the highest. It's the same words that, it's probably a different melody, but the same words that the angels sang in that moment with the shepherds. It's the same, same words that the angels are singing even in this moment right now as they surround the throne of God. It's the same words that we'll sing with him when we see him one day face to face. Glory to God in the highest. And so would you stand as we respond together with these words? Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of C.A. Church.